Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about why cannabis gives people the munchies, a theory that says that the ancient Greeks lacked consciousness, and the evolutionary reason why you listen to songs on repeat. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Here in the U.S., states are becoming increasingly more friendly towards cannabis, from decriminalizing it to letting people sell it for recreational use. There are a few pretty surefire things people consuming it have been able to count on. They can make a comedy even funnier, the back of their hand even more fascinating, and food simply irresistible. Let's pause for a second and talk about that last one, though. How does a plant have what it takes to send a human's appetite through the roof? In other words, why does cannabis give you the munchies? Well, there are actually a lot of reasons, but it all comes down to a molecule called tetrahydrocannabinol, or THC. It's one of the main active ingredients in cannabis and a major player in the munchies. Now, THC belongs to a group of chemically similar compounds called cannabinoids. They're unsurprisingly found in cannabis. The human brain and body are full of receptors that cannabinoids can bind to. Those receptors are meant for molecules called endocannabinoids that your body produces on its own. THC kind of hacks your system by posing as endocannabinoids. So it binds to receptors and changes how and when neurons choose to fire. Now, as it happens, a lot of those receptors are located in food-related parts of the brain and body. There are a ton of cannabinoid receptor type 1 that's CB1 for short, in the basal ganglia, where they may enhance the pleasure that comes from eating. There are also a lot in the limbic forebrain, which is a region that helps you figure out whether food tastes good, among other things. Research has also suggested that CB1 receptors affect two other brain regions that help your brain lead you to eat the right amount of food. But it's not just the brain. There are also CB1 receptors in your stomach and small intestine. When THC molecules bind to those receptors, they affect the body's delicate system of hormones that make you feel hungry and full. In one line of research, scientists have discovered that THC causes levels of the peptide tyrosine to drop, which in turn causes levels of the hunger hormone ghrelin to rise. And that leads to, you guessed it, the munchies. And finally, research in mice suggests that THC molecules that make their way to the olfactory bulb cause food to smell and taste way better than normal. That caused the mice to eat a lot more of it. And the same thing probably happens in high humans. Clearly, THC does a lot to give you the munchies. It's almost more amazing that it finds time to do anything else. Humans are conscious beings. There's no denying that. But have we always had consciousness? And if not, when did we get it? Well, in 1976, psychologist Julian Jaynes posed a kind of shocking answer to that question. He said humans only developed consciousness in the last 3,000 years or so. In his book, The Origins of Consciousness in the Breakdown of the Bicameral Mind, Jaynes said that consciousness is much smaller, rarer, and younger than we tend to think. Forget about wondering if a dog, a cat, or an earthworm has consciousness. Jaynes hypothesized that even the ancient Greeks didn't have consciousness. 
His definition of consciousness was really specific, though. He said it was a process based on metaphorical language that has to be learned. So humans, according to him, didn't learn to be conscious until they could tell the story of their lives with metaphor and introspection. In Jane's theory, the bicameral mind is essentially a consciousness split in half. One half takes care of execution. So like when it receives the message that the body is hungry, it looks for food and eats it. The other half is the one that sends those messages. So before we developed any sort of introspection, those messages would have hit the brain like the word of the gods. It wasn't until we could grasp narrative and metaphor that we could realize that those voices came from within us. Okay, so where's his evidence? Well, he bases most of it on the difference between Homer's Iliad and the Odyssey. In the Iliad, Jaynes argues there's no introspection and that it was written long before the bicameral mind began examining itself. In the Odyssey, characters reflect on their surroundings and have complex reasons for their actions, suggesting that they did have consciousness. As popular as bicameralism became, it had a lot of flaws. A big one is that it set up a hierarchy of consciousness that puts people who believe that divine forces influence their life toward the bottom and people with more atheistic beliefs above them. But regardless of whether you believe it or not, it is a fascinating idea that really gets you thinking. It's like Descartes said, I think in a very specific way, therefore I am. That's right. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. Do you ever find yourself listening to the same song over and over again? Well, a lot of people do, and a few years back, we looked into why. So in case you missed it, here's the story from 2018 that we remastered just for you. There's an evolutionary reason why you listen to some songs on repeat. Finally, research can validate why I listened to Taylor Swift's Shake It Off over and over, even though it came out way back in 2014. I mean, I do this with the theme song to every new Smash Brothers game that's coming out. So which of us is worse? Really? <laughs> I think the answer is you are. Oh, is it now? <laughs> well, we'll see what Smash Brothers Ultimate has to say about that when it comes out in a couple weeks. We certainly will. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all know that evolution favors traits that help you survive. For our ancestors, that meant stuff like trusting what they already knew and distrusting stuff they'd never encountered before. If they'd survive something once, then chances were they'd survive it a second time. That's the idea behind what psychologists call the mere exposure effect. Basically, you like things more just by being exposed to them. But there's something different that happens when it comes to music. That could be because our brains process music a lot like they process language. In other words, as if it's information. In nature, birds, wolves, whales, and other animals mimic each other's calls to signal that they're part of the group. Well, early humans were probably similar. At some point in our evolutionary history, those nonsense noises branched off into music and language, but the two stayed closely linked. So complex music thrives because of that idea of music as information. Take Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen, for example. It's layered with so many different melodies and voices that you could listen to it five times in a row and notice something different every time. The idea is that if you can keep hearing something new with every listen, you'll keep coming back for more. But complexity is only part of it. I mean, let's face it, sometimes we just listen to something because it's catchy, right? Well, in 2013, a University of Michigan study found that of the songs participants liked listening to repeatedly, more than two-thirds were happy, energetic tunes that got them pumped up and ready to dance. 
bittersweet songs that made people sad and wistful were also big winners. And while not as many of those songs made the cut, the participants reported re-listening to them many more times in a row than the happy songs. It's that emotional connection that could explain why some songs don't get stale even after years of repeated listening. The emotional payoff is reliable, kind of like a mood-regulating drug. And that's really what it all comes down to. If a song makes you feel good, you'll want to play it again, regardless of whether it's a complex masterpiece or fluffy pop. After all, the haters gonna hate, 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 hate. <laughs> sure are. I like that you danced while you did that, too. <laughs> you can't do it without dancing. No one else could see that. <laughs> but it happened. Before we recap what we learned today, I just want to mention that we are running a very important, very amazing, very awesome interview on our show starting tomorrow, and you do not want to miss it. So definitely stay tuned to Curiosity Daily this week. But for now, let's recap today's takeaways. Well, we learned that cannabis gives people the munchies because of the way THC works. Your brain and body have receptors that THC can bind to. And a lot of those receptors are in food-related places, like the ones in your brain, in your stomach, and your small intestine. Those receptors control whether you feel hungry or full, controls whether you find food appetizing, and controls how much you want to eat. So basically, you find food more delicious, and your body's hormones tell you that you're hungry. It is a perfect storm. A delicious, perfect storm. <laughs> <laughs> and we also learned that the bicameral mind theory argues that the human mind used to operate in a way that was kind of divided into two, where one part of your brain seems to be speaking and the second part listens and obeys. Like back in way ancient Greece, there's evidence that people may have thought they were doing things because the gods told them to versus because they thought they were the ones making their own decisions. It's a controversial theory, but kind of interesting to think about or have the gods tell you to think about or have the gods just tell you about look whatever or have podcast hosts tell you about Ooh, yeah we're a podcast and we're voices in your head right now that's weird yep <laughs> and we also learned that the mere exposure effect is the evolutionary reason why you listen to songs on repeat basically you like things more the more you're exposed to them Although you're also more likely to re-listen when you have an emotional connection to what you're listening to. And that's whether it's happy or sad. You've got an emotional payoff that's reliable, kind of like a mood-regulating drug. So, Ashley, do you still listen to Taylor Swift's Shake It Off on repeat? It was on my wedding playlist. I did listen to it even before the wedding because I was so excited that I listened to my wedding playlist a bunch. As well you should have. Well, for the record, I have not listened to the Smash Brothers Ultimate soundtrack in a couple of years. So, oh, what are you listening to now? Actually, the song I've been listening to on repeat is a song by Stephen Wilson called 12 Things I Forgot. It's off of his new album, The Future Bites. It's so beautiful. And I've literally listened to it. Like, I'll, I'll sit down and listen to it like six times in a row. I'll listen to it while I'm writing scripts, which I don't usually do with songs, but it, it's just so good. Oh, it makes me so happy. Nice. I'm going to have to listen to it. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Perfect. Today's stories were written by Grant Curran, Ruben Westmus, and Ashley Hamer, and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Script writing was by Cody Goff and Sonia Hodgen. Today's episode was produced and edited by Cody Goff. Feel free to listen to today's podcast episode on repeat. Don't worry, we won't judge. 
Just remember to join us again for tomorrow's episode to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.